0: This is a Watchdog Morning Show rewind. Here's Howard Monroe. Let me welcome
1: David DeWitt in this morning. He is from the Ohio Capital Journal. Editor over there, I read him frequently. He Is but I love two things about David. I love his passion. I love his writing and his turn of phrase. You need to write. You need to read the stuff he writes in the Ohio Capital Journal because he's got strong opinions about things. And David, first of all, good morning and welcome to the show. But in following. Ohio is just messed up. Is it not just messed up from top to bottom politically?
0: Hey, Howard, thanks for having me, and thank you for the very kind compliment. And, yes, you're absolutely correct. Ohio is very messed up when it comes to public correction, and it has been, unfortunately, for decades. Um, We're seeing the latest trial of Larry Householder, which involves a $61 million bribery scheme to elect candidates to make larry householder speaker and in return they gave and this 61 million dollars was funneled to his political machine from first energy which is admitted so in a deferred prosecution agreement and this money was used to give a 1.3 billion dollar bailout to first energy to prop up failing nuclear power plants and coal plants one of the coal plants wasn't even in indiana and so this is what prosecutors have called the biggest public corruption and money laundering bribery scandal in Ohio history. And it comes on the heels on corruption case after corruption case in Ohio over the last 20, 30 years.
1: This case is, this is not your typical, uh, some big donor, anonymous or otherwise, gives money to a PAC or gives or funnels money to his campaign and then he you know, runs ads. This was a really complicated scheme that began with him trying to not just get himself but other people elected to the the legislature in order to put him in power so he could then help First Energy. I mean, it's a really complicated scheme. Yes, correct.
0: It it involves several dark money groups that were used as basically political pass-throughs to funnel and launder this money, these contributions. It involves the First Energy admitting to bribing Ohio's head utility watchdog appointed by Governor DeWine with $4.3 million to do their bidding. It also involves the smattering of lobbyists and uh, pay-to-play corruption where basically these dark money groups were set up by these lobbyists after a series of swanky dinners in D.C. where Householder and First Energy executives had $80 stakes and hacked up this scheme to put him back into power in the Ohio House and could get them this $1.3 billion bailout. And prosecutors this week have painfully gone through just how that dark, dark money was funneled through account after account after account to make it really confusing and difficult to trace. This is classic money laundering, essentially, that the prosecutors are laying out here in this racketeering trial in Cincinnati. And he is charged with racketeering. That's the RICO statute. That's basically what mobsters get charged with uh, for organized crime. And because that's how this scheme works, and that's how complicated it was.
1: Um, Has he proposed a defense? I mean, we're still hearing the prosecution, I think, but I, what is what is his defense? What does he say? It, it, it never happened. I mean, this documentation says it happened. So, how is householder trying to uh, explain this away? Routine yeah. politics. Householder's, householder's
0: essential defense is yeah, routine politics. This is just business as usual. This is uh, he was just accepting political contributions like any normal person, and he was uh, enacting this bailout because he thought it was good law and. I wonder how well that's going to play with the jury when you have phone court conversations with him, with lobbyists who have admitted their roles and pleaded guilty in this scheme, talking about how exactly they're going to do this scheme, how they're going to funnel the money through these dark money pass-throughs, how they're going to use it to elect a slate of candidates, to put a householder in power, and how once he's in power, he's going to. Give this sweetheart billion dollar bailout at the expense of the Ohio taxpayers to this massive energy corporation. So his defense is politics as usual, but this is not and this is my opinion. We'll see how the jury thinks of it, but this is not how politics is usual worse. And, and people take donations all the time, sure, from special interests, sure. But they don't set up dark money groups to launder money. They don't set up uh, campaign arms to go against the policy when voters try to overturn it at the ballot box using dirty tricks and trackers and all sorts of things like Generation Now did. They don't um, go to D.C. to have uh, swanky dinners with the corporate big To hatch up the entire scheme, and then two weeks later, directly link their dark money account to the corporate executives' funding machine so that they're getting regular quarterly payments of $250,000. I mean, he's going to, his defense is that this is politics as usual, but this is an extraordinary case. And he's just playing on the average person's lack of knowledge about how. You know, these dark money groups were to claim that it's politics as usual. Anyone who knows what they're looking at sees this as an extraordinary situation.
1: Ohio's always been a rough-and-tumble political state. I certainly want to, uh, you know, concur with that. But somewhere along the way, and I I don't know where and when or why, and maybe you've got thoughts on it, it has become – it's not just rough and tumble. It's it's it's. I mean, the last couple of years particularly have been just. The political divide is 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 large. The the infighting is tremendous. Uh, I, 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 how do we get to this point where this is now sort of the culmination of corruption that we've been seeing for a while now? Well,
0: So I think it. It really starts with the fact that Ohio doesn't exactly have representative government, not, not legitimate representative government. We've had gerrymandering for over 30 years in Ohio, and that gerrymandering has led to an unaccountable state house and lawmakers who are never really beholden to voters. And so instead, they can do the bidding of special interests. And they can rake in campaign donations. They never face electoral accountability, and they give out billions in public dollars for millions in donations. And we see it not just with this uh, First Energy bribery bailout scandal. We've seen it with fossil sweetheart lawmaking for fossil fuel interests. Uh, We've seen it for for for-profit charter schools ripping away hundreds of millions of dollars from Ohio public schools and school children. We've seen it on payday lending and sweetheart lawmaking for them, nursing homes and sweetheart lawmaking for them. We've seen it in Medicaid and pharmacy benefit managers jacking up drug prices and ripping Ohioans off on their prescription drugs. And then after being accused by the state and settling of the state for ripping us off for hundreds of millions of dollars in fraud. The state awards the same companies more billion-dollar contracts to control our drug prices for Medicaid. We see it over and over again, this pay-to-play politics. And I think it really starts with the lack of representative government and electoral accountability. Because when you rig the maps and you have all of these politicians guaranteed elected office, and the only thing they have to worry about is a primary – well, then they're just going to keep running to their right. They're just going to keep doing the bidding of special interests. They're just going to keep ignoring the will of the general public in order to carry out whatever they want to do. So they're not representing the public interest anymore. They're representing their personal interests. They're representing their party interests, And they're representing the interests of their special interest friends. They're not representing what the public actually wants. Because on all of these issues, you go down the list, the public didn't want this. You know they didn't they don't want sweetheart giveaways to payday lenders and for profit private schools they want good government, and Ohio politicians are refusing to give it to them
1: in the past year. The issue of gerrymandering is a perfect example of that though Ohio voters said here's how we prefer to have this uh, issue of of uh, redistribution of, of you know the the gerrymandering uh, set up. And the Republicans just basically ignored it to the point they, several times, they simply ignored the state Supreme Court.
0: Right, correct. So we, voters passed by 70, with 71% in 2015 and 75% support in 2018, redistricting reform that was meant to end gerrymandering. I mean, it was written in the Ohio Constitution by voters. We want to end gerrymandering. Instead, what happened is the Republicans on the Ohio Redistricting Commission passed unconstitutional maps seven times. They were declared so by a bipartisan majority on the Ohio Supreme Court seven times, and they refused to uh, put forward constitutional maps that followed the voters' wishes. Instead, this last November, Ohio voters went to the polls and solemnly voted in districts that have been declared unconstitutional seven times. So voters were forced to vote for representatives in districts that are unconstitutional, according to a bipartisan
1: Supreme Court. And And, and it came to the point where... They delayed enough that the Supreme Court had no choice but to just to go ahead, or the the, attorney, the uh, Secretary of State had no choice but to let, let the uh, illegal districts go to the ballot because it was election time.
0: Yeah, basically the court couldn't draw the maps themselves. All they could do is tell the politicians, you have to draw the maps. So the politicians ran out the clock. They just delayed and delayed and delayed and never put forward constitutional maps until we were running into very serious constitutional election deadlines and federal courts had to step in and say, Hey, this is this is not a good solution, but we do have to do something and this is our only option. So Ohio voters you're gonna have to vote in unconstitutional districts. And that's what happened this year and I assume that they're just going to continue to put forward unconstitutional mops because they have the political power to because of the gerrymandering in the legislature, and there's not going to be any accountability. They've also won uh, a conservative right-wing majority on the Ohio Supreme Court. So the swing vote Chief Justice Maureen O'Connor was forced to retire due to age, and so she's out. And you've got the governor's son on the court, and you've got the governor's one of the governor's great family friends appointed to the court now. And they've been trying to rubber stamp these maps all along. So it's pretty much guaranteed that they're just going to rubber stamp whatever maps the Republicans produce now. And we're just going to have more gerrymandering. And let me make clear, I think gerrymandering is a fundamental poison, and I don't care who does it, Democrats or Republicans. It is an attack on representative democracy. It's an attack on voters. It rigs the game. It cheats voters out of actual representative government. And so it's a poison to democracy. It's how you take the idea of representative government and poison it, and that poisons everything else that follows. It poisons policy. It poisons having good faith discussion. It poisons being able to really represent the voters legitimately. So I don't care who's gerrymandering. Gerrymandering is wrong. And when you have 75% of voters trying to fix it, I think that that proves that most of us recognize that gerrymandering is wrong. But they don't seem to care. They want to enshrine their power no matter what, no matter the law, no matter the the Constitution, no matter the courts and no matter the voters, it's all about political power. And what do they do with that political power? They continue to rob Ohioans by billions of dollars, and it's abominable.
1: I, the um, The election of a r- relatively moderate or relatively compromised Speaker of the House, though, was a bit surprising this year. Is that a chink in the armor? Is that maybe a little sign that... Things are getting better. The political divide may not be – maybe somehow healing, or do I read that completely wrong? So
0: I, I think that it shows that um, there are plenty of moderate politicians on both sides of the aisle who do have the capacity and the maturity to work together to focus on issues. Now, the Republican bloc, it was about twenty two of them who peeled off to uh, vote alongside Democrats to elect a Republican House Speaker, Jason Stevens. And he's from southern Ohio there. Um, And so it's it's not exactly a coalition government, but what the Democrats and the Republicans agreed to in this case were they want to accomplish certain things. Uh, They want to stop the extremist culture war laws that keep making national headlines for Ohio being insane, basically. Uh, They want to focus on actual good policy. But meanwhile, you have this rogue contingent of the Republican caucus who is just throwing Molotov cocktails at the process every day now. So it creates a, a little bit of a chaotic situation. And then factor into that that you have the... Senate Republicans who have a 75 percent majority in the chamber. I mean, they have 27 out of 33 seats. Um, So you that becomes a factor, too. Ideally, though, what this this bipartisan agreement to elect this Republican House speaker will do is slow down. A lot of the more extreme culture war laws in Ohio. Hopefully, they provide funding for education like they've promised. Although the private interests, uh, private school, for-profit school interests are really trying to take more money from public education still. And the Senate sympathetic to them, the governor's sympathetic to them. So we don't know how education is going to work out. We also don't know how gerrymandering is going to work out because they'll say and say and say that they want to solve redistricting and they want fair long-term maps, but what they say and what they do are often in direct conflict. So I'll, I'll withhold judgment on what Jason Stevens is going to do with that until I actually see him make a move, but um, it's, a, it's kind of all yet to be determined as far as what this really means on a practical level for – what happens in Ohio government.
1: David, I'll continue to follow your perspective in the Ohio Capital Journal, and I encourage uh, listeners to follow the news of the day. In the Buckeye state, uh, what you guys do is some pretty in depth stuff that kind of gets off the traditional beaten path of the day by day drumbeat of news and gives a better perspective on that. so always encourage folks ohio dot com is a great place to go i 'm there every day, and um, we'll get you back sometime soon because I, I just i get uh, I get a great kick out of I said, both the passion and the language that you use so we'll have you back again <laughs> soon <laughs> Thanks for joining me today though I appreciate it thank you so much <laughs> thanks Howard. a lot
0: Happy to david.
1: All right. Thanks a lot. David DeWitt uh, is the editor of the Ohio Capital Journal, writes good stuff at theohiocapitaljournal.com.
0: Listen to more interviews and rants from the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe on Apple Podcasts.